Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Midweek Metagame. I'm Gabriel Nassi, joined by one of my regular co-hosts, Canister. Hi. So today we've got a special episode. We're going to be looking at the impact of Wells Level Drain in Pioneer. Focused on that because Canister has got regional championship coming up. We're also going to be taking a look at the modern format, see if Wells had an impact there. There was a modern super qualifier this weekend that was won by a, an interesting deck. Interesting deck building decisions. And I'll also be giving kind of a viewer's guide of the World Championship. The World Championship's happening in one week, pretty much. No, ten, yeah, 10 ish days, one week. And um, the format's going to be standard and draft. And I'll kind of not go into details of what do I think is the best strategies, but for people who maybe don't pay attention but still care uh, what to expect in standard or what what standard decks have been doing well and what's the draft format like. But before we get into all of that, I'd like to remind you that we have a Patreon for the podcast, midweek, uh, patreon.com slash midweekmetagame. Of course, our content will always be free, but if you want to support us, that's the best way to do. Well, Canister, why don't you lead the way and tell us what's going on in Pioneer right now? Yeah, so Pioneer, as you have been mentioning, was my main and actually sole focus for the past uh, few weeks. And uh, I've been mostly sticking to Phoenix for now. The new introduction of Sleight of Hand seems to be subtle, but pretty effective. Deck feels smoother. It's... uh, feels easier to return Phoenix, uh, it feels easier to trigger your Ledger Shredder and Thing in the Ice, it feels easier to fill your graveyard for Treasure Cruise. So that is a small but I think noticeable upgrade and we've also seen a little bit of an increase in Phoenix. A lot of people interested in the archetype after the slight upgrade uh, came out. So that is currently on my my top choice for uh, the upcoming regional championship right now. I've been playing Phoenix in the past and I liked it and uh, there is not uh, too much, too many shield reds and uh, red black midrange in the format currently feels like. And I haven't heard from many people, like I haven't seen many people excited to play midrange. Most people who would play midrange seem to default to sacrifice, which is by its nature a much better matchup for Phoenix, so that's been on my short list of things that I am excited about. I've also tried a few different decks throughout the week. One of the more interesting ones was the Rona combo deck with uh, Atraxa and Luca. Have you seen those deck lists? I saw the list, yeah. I saw Atraxa and Rona in a Rona deck that kind of looked a bit like, at first I thought it was the What's it called? The free four that lets you replay your legends from the graveyard, but Kathis. Yeah, Kathis. Yeah, I agree. That the decklist for that looks like like a jumbled mess, but it's honestly worked uh, pretty decently, and it's a interesting deck. But it, I'm not sure if it's quite uh, quite at the power level as the top tier decks of the Pioneer format. Can you tell us basically how it works? 
Yeah, basically you've got the Rona Herald of Invasion, Retraction Helix, Smoke Summer combo, uh, which is the infinite mana, and then you bounce something to to take advantage of your infinite mana. Uh, and on top of that, it is sprinkled with uh, Kinan, Bonder Prodigy, a few mana dorks, notably Sylvan Karyatids, four copies. And the rest of the deck is basically Planeswalkers, Tyvar, Karn, Luka, the five mana Luka uh, with the Transmogrify ability. And notably, uh, your most expensive creatures are in the two drop slots. So your two drops are Sylvan, Karyatid, Kinan, and Rona. So if you use Luka on one of your two drops, you are always guaranteed to hit one of your two. Atraxas, which then helps you dig towards uh, your Rona combo pretty easily, and well, it's pretty good to have an Atraxan play in general. Many decks just in Pioneer just uh, fold to a 7-7 flying lifelinker. So it's a little bit of an odd odd deck. It's, you know, it's it's like a combo deck with not much interaction, but uh, between Kinan and Moxamber, you tend to have access and the regular mana dogs. There is also like five elves in the decklist I'm looking at right now. So between all of those, you have some potential for explosive explosive draws. Uh, and the Rona combo can be pretty resilient to removal sometimes when when paired with Tyvar specifically. So there's there's a few interesting uh, things about this deck to me. I've only played it for a single league, and I I managed to run into basically like two and a half mirror matches, so I didn't get the best uh, experience, you know, versus the pioneer format at large. But uh, yeah, it's able to do some powerful stuff. Yeah, you see these Luca decks pop up once in a while. They used to be okay in standard, I think. Where you just build your deck the way you described, you know, you choose like either two or three to be your highest casting cost creature, except for the one creature you can look into. Sounds like this deck can goldfish pretty fast and also can play somewhat of a grindy game. So that's always nice. And it seems like all the cards work well together. You don't want to have like two halves of a deck, really. And this sounds like it's maybe a bit of that, but not too much, like for the most part, your cards work well with each other yeah there is a like a decent amount of overlap what i don't like much is that it's like a deck that kind of relies on planeswalkers that doesn't have interaction and doesn't block super great so uh it really it's really swingy in that manner if your opponent gets to you know kill off your tyvars easily without putting much effort into that then suddenly uh, it's much harder to play a longer game and grind. I had that experience with the with the Rona Luca deck against Phoenix, for example. Actually, playing that matchup from both sides, where it really it it was really clear that uh, Ledger Shredders and Arclight Phoenixes just make it so that uh, Tyvars and Karns can never stick. So you only get one use of them, and they just don't you don't untap with them on the battlefield ever. And uh, it really made it feel like grinding is uh, much harder. Yeah. Against that. Talking about Phoenix, you have an opinion between 
Shredder and Thing in the Ice because I saw Matiaridzi say he thought Shredder was better. I think this weekend, like Phoenix won one of the challenges and then came in second in another, and it was mm-hmm. very popular. And you know, Matiaridzi is a really good player. He streams too. He kind of, you know, doesn't seem like he has, you know, tries to keep a lot of secrets uh, with his preparation, a bit like you. So, do you, do you have an opinion there? So, let's just. Yes, I, I do. So between Ledger Shredder and Thing in the Ice, I think Ledger Shredder is the better card overall. Let's say, like, let's say in, in a vacuum, right? Ledger Shredder is just kind of internally better for the deck. It's a discard outlet for Arc- Arclight Phoenix, which is not always a given, especially if Lightning Axe is, is bad in a certain matchup. Hmm. While Thing in the Ice is more so like specifically a commitment to trying to beat Mono Green harder, it's uh, okay against most creature decks, but Mono Green is really where Thing in the Ice shines. And uh, my philosophy is that when I play with Thing in the Ice, I'm more. Uh, sympathetic toward the idea of dropping the Temporal Trespass uh, combo from my deck or playing fewer copies of it and while I'm playing with Ledger Shredder I am pretty sure I would like to play two copies of both of the combo cards because I think it just adds a good amount of power to the Phoenix deck and Ledger Shredder just offers that extra Filtering, Delve Fueling ability, where you can just connive away a Trespass if you like end up drawing it too early or if it's clunking up your draw too much. You can connive uh, Galvanic Iterations for value too. So that is uh, certainly... That, that is how I view things. Uh, personally, I've been playing like 4 Shredder and 1 or 2 Thing in the Ice. For now, I still like having access to Thing in the Ice a little bit, but yeah. I'm I'm a fan of the Shredder for sure. Yeah, which one's better against Mono White Aggro or that White Red deck, the White Red kind of prize deck? The, the Pia deck. That's. I was thinking about that, the actually the Virtuoso deck because I've seen that list pop up with uh, Monstrous Reach from Wild Oh Range. yeah, I see. I see. But I so, can say yes. you can answer the question for the Pia deck too. Sure. So yeah, that's a that's a thing. It's uh, I'm typically a bigger fan of Ledger Shredder in those matchups. I think. Thing yeah. in the Ice is just kind of more. There's more variance to Thing in the Ice. You like put all your eggs in one basket and removal tends to be like really good against it. And Ledger Shredder matches up better against specifically the four damage removal spells, which some of the Boros decks have access to, be it uh, a Reckless Rage or Rending Volley out of the sideboard. Ledger Shredder can outgrow that, so there is just a narrow window. I guess I guess the same is true for Thing in the Ice, but. Feels like Ledger Shredder outgrows uh, Rending Volley a bit faster than Thing in the Ice on average. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not a fan of building my decks and having to play the games all in on on one uh, one card kind of high variance. So it sounds like Thing in the Ice is basically only better against Monogreen, and it doesn't look like Monogreen's super popular in in Pioneer. 
Yes, I think that's yeah. I think that's how I would describe it. Yeah, yeah. it's not like a it's not like a very big difference too, because like Thing in the Ice is still a very respectable card, and and as I said, I I was still happy to play a pair of copies, but uh, I think like Shredder is just more internally cohesive for for the Phoenix deck, which I appreciate. Yeah. The, the few mono green lists I saw didn't have any of the new cards. We were talking a bit about maybe up the beanstalk or tortoise. I don't think we're super high on these cards in, in Pioneer. I thought the tortoise maybe breaks a bit too much, even though reduces the cost of mixers and stuff. It's really nice when it works and up the beanstalk's maybe not what the deck needs. As far as you know, have people even tried those cards in, in mono green devotion or think people I have didn't not... even bother? I have not seen them in practice. I think I was searching for up the beanstalk decks in Pioneer and I haven't seen any mono green lists uh, pop up. So maybe that's some uncharted territory to venture into. Yeah. Honestly, I haven't thought about that, that tech in mono green, but it sounds not so bad. It's like sticky devotion and then some extra card advantage. Just that, you know, it's not going to matter in half of your matchups. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. that, that, that would be a card I would play in my sideboard if I had a sideboard in my mono green deck. Just the issue is that you don't. Yeah. What about? Um, yeah, I saw up the beanstalk. I think mostly in just these fires decks, right? That's about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, or bring to light. Yeah, bring to light is pretty nice. You get to double cast a five drop, so you draw two. Yeah, a little bit of a. Huh. Yeah, no, there's still Bring to Light in Pioneer. That used to be my, my go-to deck for a while, Bring to Light now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not often going with the Niv route nowadays, but, uh, you know, there are Bring to Light decks here and there. I think in, I think in uh, Pioneer, you really like, you would really like to pair your Up the Beanstalk with Yorion too. It's not possible in modern, but also like it's just such a great pairing. It feels you always get a five drop that also just multi triggers your up the beanstalk, which just makes sure that your Yorion is a really huge threat whenever you pick him up yeah. and draws you so many cards at at low investment. Yeah, yeah, that that looks like one of the the sweeter deck lists to try and pioneer. Sounds like you're somewhat locked into phoenix i have the feeling you're not much going to change have you tried that that updated white red virtuoso deck with monstrous rage seems like a deck that's right up your alley too you you, you like to try these white red aggressive decks yeah i try i played heroic in the past a bunch uh i've only played against it i have not played with it this time around monstrous rage is a nice upgrade it's a lot of damage and certainly I've never been more scared of blocking a Monastery Swift Spear in my life than I've been the past uh, week or so. But, uh, you know, whenever I played Heroic, it felt like okay, but it's still, you're, you're still playing, you know, you're still playing combat tricks while you could be playing Treasure Cruise, yeah. which uh, in itself is kind of an issue. Okay, okay. You want to talk a bit about 
all the Wilds of Eldraine cards that popped up in list, or do you want to talk about maybe something more specific, like what you've been testing, or? Oh, we can take a quick look, quick glance over to Modern, right? I have not played Modern since uh, we oh. last spoke. Oh, I figured we'd wrap up Pioneer first and talk about because I saw some. I was going through the list and I saw, you know, quick study in blue white. I saw the the whale show up. We could just kind of quickly list the cards so people know the the impact of wilds on on Pioneer. All right. Yeah. So yeah, I saw uh, there was actually a blue black list that followed a free lamb with a couple copies of DNs in it, which. Doesn't, we were thinking, you know, is that card too expensive? I'm guessing that wasn't the game changer, but um, I guess against Phoenix, yeah. kind of nice. You, you, I, I don't know in what world you managed to to end a Phoenix, especially in game one when they have all their removal, especially in open deck lists at the RCs when your Phoenix open and knows you have that card in your deck. But if if you get their Phoenixes, can be decent. You just have to wait until you fall down to under five life, and then you strike because your D end is very cheap. Yeah. So you can back it up with 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 something else. Yeah. Other control list had like I saw a few uh, horn locked whales here and there, which is the two mana. It's like two mana adventure instant speed. Put a attacking creature. I think they choose top or bottom, and then. It's a six mana six six flash with war two. If you play it on your turn, it comes into play untapped. But if you play it at flash on their turn, it comes into play tapped. So that that card looked decent on rate. We saw there was a red green list that was trying to felt like whoever played that deck wanted to try a bunch of the different cards because they had a the questing druid, which is the adventure red green card. They had the two mana Ruby, which is the one two haze that taps for mana and becomes bigger when you have a four power creature. It had a Godric. I think maybe that's some rage to I forget, but um yeah, uh that's some of the cards I saw. One thing that made me laugh was uh Logan Jabberwocky, he made top eight was Red Blood Sack. And and his deck list looked like it had the, the only new cards he had was one gumdrop poisoner. Which is a card that makes a food for one mana and also it's a free two lifelink when it comes into play. It it's kind of a flame tonkavu for the amount of life you've gained. And he had one copy of Questing Druid too. Um, which I'm not even really sure how he casts the green part. I guess just treasures. Just treasures, it seems, yeah. Yeah, and that list kind of looked to me like you know, your teacher gave you an assignment and they're like, okay, you have to you have to play a deck with at least two new Wilds of the drain cards in your main deck, and Logan's like, okay, why not? I'll throw in one copy of Poisoner, one copy of uh, Questing Druid in my list, and call it a day. Um, one I'm card. Just find stuff out. Also, like one other thing in his deck list: four dumping sphere in the sideboard. Oh, yeah. That is such a commitment. Yeah, there's. I saw a lot of Lotus going through the lists. No upgrades, but Lotus still Lotus. You can say that Slide of Hand is an upgrade to Lotus because more Phoenix equals more buys. Yeah. Because uh, that matchup is really it's really tough to win for Phoenix. Yeah, it's really tough. And you can't do too, too much about it. You can maybe add a few counters, but even that's just not even that... 
probably not. So, yeah, this is an edge. This is the nature. You have to like work, tap out, play your cantrips to get your clock early. It's just hard to keep up counters and apply pressure at the same time. Even if you play thing in the eyes, like that's also like kinda a seven power creature for two mana, but also not really. You have to play it on turn two, and then it still only starts dealing damage on on turn four at the earliest, and probably oftentimes a bit later than that. So it's one giant struggle. Yeah. And Lotus can just you know board a few mystical disputes too on their end, and they have an easy time pushing their one big spell through and then once that resolves then they just win yeah what well, one card we talked about about last time was the were fox and that card did not show up in in the white decks maybe it's just more zenosification i guess not too, too no no they just didn't realize so far oh, they will yeah, start they playing it okay yeah 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 it's just gonna take time sometimes change you know, is gradual. All right, fair enough. Okay, what what's the what's the Phoenix against? What what's your like top three, top five? You know, if you had to pick a deck for the RC besides Phoenix, well, what what's your like the rest of your top five? Let's say Phoenix, uh, Lotus, which is always like on the back of my head. I kind of like always think of playing it and i see people have great uh, results with lotus but then i often die to aggro when i pick it up so yeah you know it's a bit conflicted on that end but phoenix lotus still thinking a little bit of that red white pia deck but not super convinced that that's what i want to be doing it just uh, feels slightly maybe unpowered yeah to make like, yeah and like regular sacrifice yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah just just a combination of one drops like one drop creatures that you want to attack your opponent with and two mana draw spells the both of them are fine cards but they don't just philosophically combine into something super cohesive always right you just you know on, on one hand you're casting like Savannah Alliance, and on the other hand, you're casting a Night's Whisper. Yeah, or, a weird. Uh... Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe you just need a format to be more mid-range for that deck to be good. Like you want, you know, you're at grinding me when we played against Blue White Control, or mm -hmm. you, you don't want to play against, I don't know, combo. I guess Phoenix probably not a great matchup for you. Um, yeah, yeah. Not super sure on like the position of the deck in some of yeah. the matchups. Yeah. Uh, and then Ragdoll Sacrifice is a deck I played a lot in the past too, so always thinking of it too. But currently Phoenix in in the top uh, spot yeah. out of those. Yeah. I only listed four decks because I cannot think of a fifth. So I guess if I have to list a fifth, I'll list the Roma Luca combo. But cover your bases uh, in case it's broken. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's. I I don't think it is. I don't think it's gonna be like. I think it's a good enough of a deck to like focus on and play for the RC. But I think I'll just prefer Phoenix personally. Yeah, it doesn't look like a deck that's 
have a way to export remote. Yeah, it doesn't look, I mean, it looks like it could be fine, but, but not, uh, not broken. Okay, okay. Um, I, I'm still not planning on going to the RC, but I did see a, a blue white list with two quick study in it and blue black who for the prelim. So maybe, maybe I have a little better, better chance of going now. I'll see how I feel when I come back from, from Vegas. All right, well, that was, that was Pioneer, I guess. There's been a, a lot of modern play. There's a four or five challenges, super qualifier. And yeah, not as many cards from the new set had an impact, but I think we can see Abda Beanstalk just kind of crushing it. It seems like four color on that's the most played deck. Uh, and it won, that was a really weird version that won the super qualifier. I was trying to figure out how uh, Danzant, what, what cards they cut to, to fit, you know, the four Furies, the Elish Norn, that four Lightning Bolts. They also had the four Fable and their secret is they just didn't cut any cards. They were playing 75 cards, 26 lands. So that's why the ratio of 20 lands in a 60 card deck and just relied on run and six and up the beanstalk to to draw them their lands i guess so that was nuts um i don't know what to think about it i can't imagine that's right but yeah i mean it's like kind of an ongoing meme ever since yorion was banned right just like people sometimes play too many cards in their folklore deck because you just can because there is so many cards that are roughly similar in power level and trying to like build a deck that's a perfect mix just is a fool's errand anyway so you just Danzan just played four copies of every single card and, and one copy of Elish Norn and just called it called it uh, the deck yeah I mean... uh, although one one reason to actually do that is is that with up the beanstalk and the one ring, you actually draw so many cards sometimes that decking can be a factor. Not often, but you could run out of just things in your deck that do stuff. So that's one of the realistic upsides I'm thinking of. Yeah, there's that, and there's always the good old mana base issue. If you're playing a 60 card version, you usually don't have enough land slots to play every every triumph you want enough fetch lands the basics you have to you have to make a choice or two so you know we, we've seen people going over 60 i'm not sure we've ever seen anyone doing well with the straight up 75 card deck maybe there's a little middle ground here maybe like 67 68 but uh yeah here's the just testimony once again that modern's a creature-based format and that you're happy to play four furies you know because if you play your up the beanstalk and you have these furies and these solitude in your hand and your opponent just not playing creature in the deck what what are you doing you know you've got nothing going on but i guess that almost never happens maybe monogreen tron is a deck that doesn't really play creatures or not early on yeah up the top of my head i can't even really think of any other top tier deck that just not gonna have a creature and play on turn two yeah it seems like everyone is just putting creatures into play so just drawing cards and playing removal is just viable and strong and this deck draws a lot of cards and removes a lot of things so which is all it does so
yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Fury. Sometimes you don't have enough enough red cards. Um, they're playing four Fable. They're playing the four Volts. Fable once again. I think Nissa is much better in a Ragdos meta, anyways. When I was testing for the Pro Tour, I've talked about that before. I thought Nissa was uh, just, you know, it was just another card that they had to kill right away, or else they lost the game. Whereas Fable was a little clunkier, or like not not as high impact and a little awkward against uh, Bowmaster. I kind of wonder if this if this deck would be better if it was seventy one cards, just no Fable. But then the like, other for Fury. Yeah, I think you'll manage. Yeah, like I tend to not to worry about to, that too much in modern, and I found that to be a relatively successful strategy. The, like if you you know. The downside is that you will just not pitch your fury, so you will just cast it for five mana. It's just a strong card for five mana. That's fine. The games in which you need to pitch are typically games where you and, and where you can afford to pitch are the games where you like have more cards in your hand anyways, kinda. If you're pitching like your last card to to your fury, you're probably putting yourself behind and losing anyways not sure if that's like sound logic fully but it feels like you're pitching more often with a full hand and then when you have a full hand you will more likely have a red card in it yeah especially a a handful of spells like you're pitching more often when you when you're flooded on spells than you're flooded on lands so i just don't worry about having enough pitches for my elementals in modern almost ever and I think you'll you'll have enough anyways. You'll you'll have some like Omnaf, Fury, Bolt, Ren, still sixteen cards. Yeah. So yeah, up the beanstalk it was the big one. There's also some Codron showing up. It got us Codron, which is a two man artifact. In in the super qualifier anyways, it was just in, you know, adding it to Yogg and adding it to the Hardened Scales deck. You know, neither Canister or I have been playing modern. I'm not sure if people have been trying. I'm sure they have, you know, a, we, we saw Cotteron was like Grist and stuff, or I haven't seen Cotteron was Gristle Brand yet from from streamers, but I haven't been, you know, spending my days watching modern streams either. Uh, yeah, just these two cards mostly. I saw one Seer Ginger in, in a deck, and uh, I think that's that's it, honestly, for, for Wilds of Eldraine. And, in modern anyways. One one kind of newish innovation is I've seen the sign of Draco pop up in the Fight for the Rhinos list. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always been somewhat scared of that card, you know, it doesn't die to Fatal Push. Um so you can you, you can play it on turn two, it's just not a solid card that you can you can play in these decks. And uh if besides that I guess the meta is still like, you know, seems like four colors in most played deck or most popular was Merktide. Still Yogg, some Rhinos. Um, Mono Black Coffers has been showing up and doing quite well, it seems. No no Mono Black, no Coffers. So I guess I, that was kind of my, my feeling to playing both decks. You know, I was liking my version without Karn, but playing both, I did feel like the Coffers was not hurting you that much and the upside was a little higher. So I'm not super surprised to to see mono mono black coffers do well. 
with coffers it seems a little bit like a modern deck at least because you ha at least have something some angle that's powerful instead yeah. of just being a mono black midrange deck that relies on shoulders addicting all of your opponent's creatures away yeah 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 but i have one more question in regards to modern for you gab namely is up the beanstalk <clears throat> more of a the one ring or more of a, more of an expressive iteration i would say more of an expressive iteration that is my feeling too i think that four color decks really like appreciate just how cheap and smooths how it smooths the early game and how it's a play to make on turn two while you just didn't have a play if you didn't don't draw ren and six and you don't want to cast a removal spell otherwise right you just had to pass on turn two yeah uh and i guess you don't cast iteration on turn two but you know the feeling of smoothing out the draws is is the same and uh, i think that's the biggest uh upside for a four color now with like up to eight proactive plays on turn two it's just uh much more cohesive of a deck and it's kind of an expressive iteration that this deck wanted the entire time it feels like yeah it's, it really is like the, the perfect fit for that deck it's easy to cast combos with the fairy smooths out your jaws late game Tough to beat engine for other mid-range decks. Uh, something like Murktide, I'm sure, is not happy uh, to see that card pop up early in the game. Um... All right, so why don't you talk to me a little bit about your upcoming adventure and uh, your travel to the world's the uh, world championship, right? Which happens next weekend in. Las Vegas, right? Las Vegas, Nevada, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll be leaving in a few days on Sunday to get a few days of uh, in-house testing with my teammates. We've been, uh, you know, mostly practicing limited. We actually haven't played as much standard probably as we should, but I figured I'd give a quick viewer's guide for people interested. So the format is Standard was Wild of Zeldrain and Wild of Eldrain Draft. Draft is actually more important this time around than in the Pro Tours because the field's going to be about 110 players and there's only seven rounds on day one and seven rounds of day two. So three rounds of draft, four rounds of standard, same on day two. Whereas at a normal Pro Tour, it's usually three rounds of draft, five rounds of standard. And... Um, I'll give a quick presentation of the format. Of course, I'm not going to be, you know, telling you what's the best deck in standard, but um, not that I know right now. Uh, yeah, the, the draft format is, you know, somewhat straightforward, mostly two-color combo decks or two-color combination decks. Uh, I think it's, you know, not a big secret that red is the best color, followed probably by black and green. And then blue and white are a little worse, or maybe much worse. Except for, you know, there's there's 17 lands now, so there's a, a lot of that out there. I'm guessing and hoping I'm not 
really helping any of my world's competitor by uh by, by saying that stuff but uh yeah white red white red aggressive has been one of the the best color combos but besides that white's not super exciting so uh expect expect to see uh you know the the feature draft the, the draft serves at the feature draft probably prioritize a red black and green i think people have been mostly enjoying the format uh, i've been liking it i think it's been a hit I think I've heard, you know, one person that, that plays a lot of Eliminate say maybe it was a little too basic. I can't exactly remember what their grip was, but, um, you know, maybe not the most interesting format once you've drafted a bunch and kind of figure stuff out. Uh, not a ton of maybe cool things you can do. Um, but it's, it's I, I've liked the flavor. I've liked the, the way the games play out and stuff. So that's for draft. And then for standard, there hasn't been a ton of results. There was one tournament in Japan that was won by a Naya Tokens deck. And then there was a couple challenges from Magic Online. But uh, I, I think the one got, they usually get like 40, 50 people. And um, there was a lot of the, the, the decks that already existed. So Mono White Aggro blue white soldiers the the five color ramp attracts the deck that i think willie Adel has been playing a lot um yeah I, i'm looking right now at the at the decklash of the it's listed as cascade but i guess it is the ramp domain deck it's pretty cool to look at it's a 27 lens deck but it has a nice trick in it namely it has four copies of invasion of alara yeah which essentially cascades when you play it. And then all of the cheap cards in this deck have a possibility to be cast for for more expensive. Yeah, exactly. Like, so more it's... expensive modes. So when you're cascading with it, you're basically hitting the only cards you can hit with your Invasion of Alara, CMC four or less. It's one copy of Go for the Throat, four copies of Bramble Familiar. And that's it, right? So you always hit the Bramble Familiar. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah the ramp deck I was talking about was like kind of stomper, more like actual ramping mana and into uh, that was a traditional list. And then there was uh, Rex Ludek, I think he was. They were actually in mm -hmm. chat on the on Saturday. I was streaming, and they were like, "Oh, I just made the finals of the standard challenge. You should check out my deck list. Uh, it's a spicy one." And I was like, "Oh, give us a spoiler!" And they were like, "Oh, there's Invasion of Alar in it." So, yeah, the way it works is, I think because of the wording of Invasion of Alara, they changed the rules, you know, so that you couldn't cascade into Valkyrie or whatnot. But I think the way Invasion of Alara is worded, it still works. So Invasion yeah, of Alara... Yeah, that was specifically an errata to the cascade ability, so that it makes two checks. So it checks whether you exile the card that's cheaper than, than your cascade card, and then you may cast the card if it's cheaper. So that, like you check for it another time and that way you cannot cast the T-Bot uh, backside of Valky. But that wording is absent from Invasion of Alara. You are, you are right. So you're able to cast the adventure part of Bramble Familiar, right? Yeah, so the way you want to build your deck is you want to, your cheap card to only be four Bramble Familiar and then you get to play one card that costs four or less. So in this case, it was go for the throat, but uh, it could be anything. I think if you look at their sideboard, they have a bunch of 
cheap card. So depending on the matchup, they, they swap, go for the throat. Or you could, you know, try your luck and be a little greedy and put more cheap interaction, but then you risk breaking. So what you do, the way the combo works is you cast Invasion, you always hit Familiar, you play the seven mana adventure part that I think it mills you seven and you get put back a creature, enchantment, or something else. And you're hoping to hit Cemetery Desecrator, which is a six mana black creature. Mm -hmm. When it comes into play, um, the way the deck is built, you should have a, a seven mana card in the graveyard because I don't think it counts the, the actual Fiscate card, but you have Herd Migration. You have like a lot of seven. So hopefully you have a seven. Yeah, Lots of sevens. Yeah, you exile this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you exile the seven, which lets you. So the desecrator lets you choose either you give minus x minus x a creature, or you remove seven counters from a permanent. Can be a planeswalker, uh, or it's in this case you want to remove the battle, so the battle flips right away. And I think the effects are like draw two, kill one of their permanents, copy one of your permanents. And I think maybe mm -hmm. there's, there's something else. It's it should be. You also get you also get to put an artifact from your hand into the battlefield, which could be a seven five Phylex and fresh flash gorger. So yeah. So and then so hopefully that's like enough to to swing the game. And then the deck is is full of you know kind of quote unquote split cards. So you've got the black virtue, which is two mana removal or seven mana enchantment. Um, herd migration, which fixes your mana, the flesh gorger you mentioned, and then I think they had like two Italian one attracts that. So really, really cool deck. Um, also, four copies of Virtue of Persistence, which is the seven mana enchantment, the Debtor's Nail, basically. Yeah. Which also has the adventure part, which is just a two mana removal spell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I mentioned that, but thanks for paying attention. It was exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that was a really cool deck. They won. They won Sunday, and then someone played their deck, and they came second. Or they won Saturday, and someone played their deck, uh, uh, and came second on Sunday. Uh, Sunday one was won by uh, Daniel Akos playing Mono Red. Was some of the new card, I think. Um, I think it had a few Godricks, a few Scoundrels, kind of. Nothing too fancy, pretty pretty streamlined monorail deck. So, yeah, that, that's the that's the the meta kind of, you know, people testing for worlds. There's basically almost no standard info. There's these two tournaments, these two challenges, the one in Japan, and then there's a few streamers playing standard. You know, Crokey's, uh, Elliot Dragon, Ashley is also really very little to to work with, but you know it's. It's standard, so it's not the biggest format either. Um, Does Crocky's stream influence your standard deck choices a huge amount? Yeah, obviously. I mean, I just wait, wait every day, wait for Crocky to log in, copy his laser. He's mostly been like trying stuff that you know, trying. He's trying the kind of the cards he likes and. Uh, so, but you know, you never know when someone's gonna strike gold, and why not? You know, I've definitely been keeping my eye out for. Uh, see if yeah, yeah, I mean, that was a genuine question. I'm not throwing shade in any any manner. I'm just interested. Um, it is true, I, it is true that there is so so little info that you have to yeah. like grasp at anything you can get. 
I feel like he's mostly been trying stuff he wants to try. I'm not sure he's tried really hard to, you know, to build the best possible standard deck so far from what I've seen. He was trying a bunch of decks around the Cauldron. Uh, like the other day, he was using Cranker Bloom to and Cauldron to try and ultimate realm, uh, the Ren, the free mana realm as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. um, he did it. He did really a fast one game, but it didn't matter because I think the ultimate lets you play cards from your graveyard again. But yes, he, was, yes. he, he was just dead on board, I think, to maybe a mono white deck or some some swarm deck. So he, he ultimated Ren on turn five. It wasn't enough. So um, You'd think that it's a better playing soccer to ultimate with such a strategy, but I would need to take a look at the ones yeah. available in standard. So yeah, I mean, I guess people will have to to, to wait and see what what happens. Uh, you know, which which decks show up. Uh, if people come up with anything new, uh, you know, the the wild cards, if they're good enough to have an impact on modern and and, and pioneer, that they, they might be good enough to have a. They already have, you know, if you look at that invasion deck, uh, the monorail deck has a a few a few new cards as well. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. um, all right, I guess time to put our life on the line. Yes, yes. Since we talked about Pioneer and I guess Standard, we have to use <laughs> Standard deck right now. <laughs> uh, I was thinking we'd do Modern and Pioneer, but <laughs> classic. I knew you were going to say that, though. All I right, so... Trolls. For for standard, given my limited knowledge of the format, I I have no choice but to choose the Cascade combo deck. It also just sounds kind of funny to try, and it almost makes me want to play a standard challenge this weekend. So I'm placing my my life on Invasion of Alara. All right, I'll do the same. I'll just copy you blindly. I trust you. <laughs> All right. For oh, Pioneer, as I was saying the entire podcast, Phoenix is my choice so far. Please uh, let me dodge Ley Lines of the Void and uh, Lotus Field, and then I'll be happy. Yeah, I'm going to go with... Who makes the best use of Quick Study, Kaneki? Blue-Black or Blue-White? Does your blue blacklist have include uh, sinister sabotage? <clears throat> yeah, probably. Yeah. Then I'll choose blue black because uh, then you also get to play the end, which is on their new card. All right. We need to collect more information on. Yeah, I would. I would. I'd play. Actually, there's also up the beanstalk fires. Like that's really cool. Uh, I'm gonna play. I would play blue black. I would put my life on the line and die miserably with blue black. And then in modern, I would play up the beanstalk. More than sixty cards, but not quite seventy-five. Not quite seventy-five. So what's like the amount you'd be? I don't know, be probably happy. sixty-four, sixty-five. All right. Just so I can have the, the exact, just enough that I have all the lands I want. Let's put it that way, and then go from there. Yeah, that that does make sense. Just you know, just 
throwing your uh, tutor targets. Yeah, because the, targets the, whole thing, yeah, the whole thing of 60 and 4 color, one of the big things anyways was Ren was so good on turn 2 in so many matchups that you didn't want to delude that, but now you have of the Beanstalk, which is... Which one do you think you'd rather have on turn 2 uh, right now, actually? If you had to guess. On the play, Ren. On the draw, Beanstalk. That's, oh, that's like how I would that play sense, that. Actually. Okay, cool. What about you, I'm, I'm looking at the 5-color Omnath. Well, 4-color, four, four I guess, but domain uh, version by Maquin Sauce, which is actually... Seems like a perfect candidate for expanding up to 65 or even 69 cards, given that uh, the specific technology that McWinsos went with is Bring to Light with Valky, but also like one copy of Time Warp. But he only got he only gets to play like free Ren, free Teferi, Time Raveler, free the Wandering, and free Candor Spell. So I I just see an easy way to make this into a 60-something card deck, draw my tutor targets less often, and uh, that's the deck I'm choosing. I'm going with the 69 card McWinsos variant. Oh, that does well, look nice, yeah. He, he posted that he, I think he went 7-1 over two prelims was, was his list. Yeah. Oh yeah, that list does look cool. And it, 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 you said it has more than 60, right? No, 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 no. It oh. has 60 cards for now, but it's just a perfect candidate to yeah. be bloated to 60-something cards because yeah, uh, there's both tutor targets and uh, free offs in the deck, so... Yeah, I'm it's not sure how I feel about counterspell in these decks, but the, the rest looks looks decent. You, you like these counterspells? Yeah, I like having access to to Counterspell on my decks, but right, fair it's 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 certainly a bit stinky <laughs> in All some right. ways. All right. Well, as always, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening, Canister. Where can we find you? On Twitch under Canister underscore MTG. Or on YouTube under youtube.com slash canister. Yes, yeah, same here, Twitch, etc. Yellow hat. Not a ton this week. Hopefully you can watch me crush the world championship next weekend on twitch.tv slash magic. World starts uh on Friday, day one will be on Friday, day two Saturday, top eight Sunday. Obviously we didn't talk about it, but it's gonna be during Magic on Las Vegas. That should be an amazing event, tons of fun. Um, the Barcelona one was great, so yeah, I, I, I'm excited uh, to go. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Take care. Take care.